welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. Hello, Ivy Church. Hello, Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. Jumbo, Jumbo. 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 You know, they, each bit of it, you can have a look at it and you could just get a couple of sentences or even a couple of words and get so pulled into it, you kind of get lost. And it's not a bad thing to do that. But what I want you to do, rather than just get lost in it, I want us to kind of unravel it a little bit. And the best way to do that is kind of one verse at a time. So that's what we're going to try and do. So you might want to, if you can trust yourself to not, when you get your phone, if you've got it on your phone, go on other stuff. Yeah, if like, or if you can literally, I don't know, turn off notifications or look at the person next to you and say, if you see me checking Facebook, punch me or something like that. Yeah, if you can do that, then why don't you? You can follow it along on your phone um, in order to be able to stick in with me as we go through the passage. Is that okay? Okay. Did you say to the person next to you, punch? No, you don't have to do that. Okay. So. You might have noticed the recurrence of a word there in that passage, which is blessed. We've been seeing that in the mornings, we've been looking at this series, the Beatitudes, and it's all these blessings. It's where Jesus comes along and basically says, if you're going to be my disciple, there's no way you're not going to be blessed. I'm going to make sure you're blessed, no matter what is happening in your world or in the world. But he says that blessing is not necessarily the way that people would define happiness, that we might think, well, well, blessing just means, well, life's always going to be happy and easy and good, and then that'll be me being blessed. But what Jesus has been trying to get through to us is he's describing all the ups and downs and the problems and the difficulties of life is that there's a way for God to be able to somehow, regardless of those conditions, to be able to bless us in them, not necessarily to pull us out of them, but to be able to, if we can put faith in him and, and stick at it, then he'll get a blessing through even when we're mourning, even when we are persecuted, no matter what it is that we're going, when we hunger and thirst, we will be satisfied when, when it's for his sake, we're going to be blessed. And the Greek word there that is used in the New Testament that Jesus translated as is makarios, which in modern Greek, if you, if you find that, if you went to on your holidays there, it means happy. That's basically what it's now come to mean. But at the time Jesus spoke, it didn't just mean happy. It had more the idea of actually living the kind of life that God lives. That's what makarios means, or that's what it meant. It's like the Greeks had the idea that the, the, the gods, as they perceived them, had a happy life. And so we're not going to get that happy life down here on the earth. The gods have got, you know, the happy life, and they're up there eating grapes and playing chess or whatever else they're doing. But down here on earth, we don't get that. But, but Jesus comes along and he says, actually, you can live a godlike life here on the earth. And he keeps on saying, because you're the children of God, because you're the children of God. And if you live like this, as my children, you're going to live that kind of life, even here, no matter what you're going through. He wants us to know that whatever's happening, that isn't necessarily going to affect what's happening on the inside. And it isn't about whether or not I feel happy or not, whether or not I'm blessed. Now, even as I'm saying that, I know there's some people, you're bound to be, because I've been there too, sitting there thinking, well, that's all very well and good, but I still don't feel blessed. I don't feel like 
like God's blessing me at all. I'm not sure that he's really blessing me or that he has blessed me, even though you you keep saying it and I keep turning up at church or whatever, or watching online and and trying to get it. I don't, it doesn't feel like I am. Well, tonight, what I want us to look at is kind of press pause on the Beatitudes and come into this and we're going to look at seven unstoppable spiritual blessings. They are real and they are for us regardless of how you feel or what you think. Because they're not really about you, and yet they're for us. Because They come to us through Jesus Christ from the Father, the blessed Father, the reading said, who loves to bless us. That's what we read right at the start of what your Bible calls, and mine, the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, where God just wanted to communicate to a group of Gentiles in this place called Ephesus, in fact, all across the region, people who had no background understanding of the Old Testament, he wanted to show them what kind of God he was and how he wanted to, to bless them and how, how he, God wants to bless us, not so much in what we do in life, bless you, but in who you are. This isn't about necessarily being blessed in what you do. It's about being blessed in who you are, regardless of what happens. When you read Ephesians, you're going to see... It's key themes. The words that keep coming out are things like fullness and inheritance and richness. And it's like God's got all of this for us. And that changes everything, but only when we receive it. Because it's like if I want to give you something, that's great. But unless you take it, it doesn't change anything. And that's why time and time again, as you carry on in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, in the next chapter after this, starts saying, I'm just praying you'll get this. And in chapter 3, he actually falls to his knees and he, and he says, I'm, I'm on my knees praying that you'll see this, that you'll get this, because if you get this, everything changes. See, when you are in Christ, and that's the, another key thing here, when you are born again, when you are a child of the Heavenly Father, you discover you are in his will. And when I say you are in his will, what I mean is, it's like your name is written in to the will of when Jesus died, he did it so that we would have an inheritance. Now, we know he rose again, but he died to get some things for us and to do some things for us and to gain an inheritance for us. And then the rest of Ephesians really unfolds the fullness, the riches, the resources that God has got for us so that we'll live out of it, so we'll believe it, so we'll believe the riches of his glorious grace, it said there. It's been called the bank of the believer. And you access it with the checkbook of faith. Does anybody still remember checkbooks? Yeah? You were a checkbook. You know, what did you have to do? Well, actually, you can have a, you can have a, a check and, and somebody comes along and, and, it's, and like, it's like Jesus has signed the check and he's written something. But what it needs is it, it requires a counter signatory. It needs somebody else to come along and you put your name alongside his. And that's how you get to cash it in. And we do that by faith. There's a bank of blessings that are accessed by faith. You don't earn them. We don't deserve them. They don't depend on us. But as long as I depend on God, I get to receive these blessings. I can draw on them. I can spend them. And when I do, I never get less. In fact, they get more and more. And if I give them away, especially if I give them away, I get more and more. 
Wouldn't you like that kind of checkbook? It's pretty good, isn't it? I haven't got time to do more than show a glimpse of this. It would take me a lifetime, actually, to explain all of the features and benefits of this bank account to you. Yeah? And unlike all the other packages that get sold to you online or on the telly or whatever, there's no risk with this. Except that you really live the life that God's got for you. And that can be risky, but in a very good way. So maybe this week, have a read of Ephesians. You're going to see that the first three chapters tell you what all these benefits and blessings are, and the next three chapters really give you examples of how you can live them out in your your life. And let's have a look at it. Notice Paul introduced himself as an apostle. That means he's saying, I'm chosen and authorised to speak to you as if God was speaking to you. It's as if God's writing you a letter. And he could say all kinds of other things about himself, but he just basically says, that's all you need to know about me. I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about Jesus. And actually, I want to talk about the church as well. Because he wrote to a church, but he didn't just write to a church. He actually wrote to the church. He wrote to Christians across the area, the Roman province of Asia Minor. That's who this was intended for. And there's all, you know, historically you can look at it and see there's a whole bunch of different people. There'd be some doctors and there'd be some business people. There'd be a lot of slaves who would be in the, in the church. There'd be some lawyers, you know, some political leaders perhaps. But in the end, just a mix of ordinary people who all happen to be in churches across the region. And that's important for us to get because we want to see that this is not just a personal document. This is actually, see, I want to individualise all of the promises of Scripture. I want them to, that one's for me, that one's for me. But this is for us. And it's actually, it's only for me because it's for us. That's the only way it works. Because these promises are for the church. So if you say, well, I don't think I need to bother being part of church. I don't know we know why we need church. Here's a really good reason. God blesses the church. God blesses us as one, as he blesses his, his ecclesia, his church. That's the word Jesus used. That he said the gates of hell will not prevail against his called out ones. Called out ones, what does that mean? Called out to him, called out for him, called to belong to him, called out from the world, called out of sin, called out of darkness, called into his glorious light, called out of death, to live forever, called into his blessings to be able to be a blessing for the world. And although the letter is commonly called the letter to the Ephesians, if you've got one of those kind of Bibles, you can do it. It says, to the saints who are at Ephesus. If you look on one of those little letters alongside it, you'll see, follow the link. It's going to say somewhere in your Bible that actually the earliest manuscripts and most manuscripts don't mention Ephesus. They don't actually have um, an address as such. It's just to the church. That's what this is for. So if we fit with the description at the start to God's holy, that means set apart people in Ivy Church, we could write ourselves in to these promises. The faithful in Christ Jesus is that you, if that's me. If that's so, the rest of this applies. That's why you need the church because the church is where he's put all these blessings. So please get ready to read verse 3 aloud with me. In the original Greek, blessed is the first word in the sentence, but it's not the same word as the same makarios, happy, which we heard over and over in the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, let's read this. Blessed be the God and Father...
Now that word blessed is not makarios. It's, it's a different word. It's um, eulogio. And it literally means spoken well of. So he's saying God deserves to be spoken well of because he has spoken a good word over us in Christ. In fact, he's spoken every spiritual good word over us. That's the kind of dad he is. I don't know what kind of earthly dad you had and whether you ever got an earthly dad who spoke good words over you. Makes all the difference, I think, in life, whether or not we got that. But even if that never happened, you have a heavenly father who wants to speak every good word over you. So all he's got for you is good words to speak over you. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Three times one verse. The blessed God has spoken and decreed blessing over you and me. How many? Everyone. Every kind of spiritual blessing you can ever think of, God has spoken them over you. And he's just going to give us seven of them, which is pretty cool. So just let that soak in a minute. That's who our God is. That's what he's like. That's his character. And we bless him because he's a good, good father, as we sometimes sing. That's who he is. He's good. He's always speaking good blessings over us, and he's doing it tonight. God the Father wanted to bless his children. He wanted a blessed church to bless the world so the universe will be filled with blessing. He sent his son to bring us to share with all those blessings that God has already got up in heaven. He didn't just want to keep the blessing to himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's why he came to us. See, why, did, why is all this happening? What, why am I talking about this? It's, the reason is found in the phrase that's repeated three times in this chapter. Why did God do all of this? To the praise of his glory. That's the reason. To the praise of his glory or the praise of, of his gl- the glorious grace. In other words, God did these things. He didn't have to save anybody. He didn't have to choose anybody. He didn't have to do, but he did it so that people would get it and go, wow, thank you, Lord. And we would praise him and we would worship him. And when we realise just how little we deserve this and how, how much we've been blessed, even though we don't deserve to be blessed, that actually I, need, I deserve to be separated from him because of my sin and because of my rebellion and because of the things that I've done and the things that I've not done. I don't deserve a blessing. I deserve cursing. I deserve judgment and eternal rejection. But then I read these words and as we're going to go through them, each one of them should make us go, wow, he's blessed us. He's blessed me. He's given me entirely the opposite of what I deserve. Thank you, Lord. It's amazing. And, and so I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm sure that for many of us, the reason, one of the reasons that you come along tonight is because you love worship and, and, and you know, you want to sing and praise God. And, but sometimes maybe we've got to admit that sometimes we can do it out of a bit of obligation or even just out of obedience. That's not a bad thing to do it out of that. But, but you know, it can be a bit like, I don't really feel like it, but I'm going to give it a go anyway. And maybe if I like the songs and we get into it a little bit, then maybe, you know, I'll, 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 I'll get a bit more enthusiastic by the end, you know? We could even call that a sacrifice of praise if we want to. (laughs) Not sure it really is. And especially that can happen if I don't feel like I'm being blessed at the time. But I'll kind of, you know, try and cheer God up a bit by singing him a song anyway, you know? And you know what? That is just so, so wrong. Because it just so misses everything about what worship is about. 
and what Paul's trying to get to us here. Because worship should just be this natural response to the supernatural blessings. It should just be this thing that's like, of course, of course I'm going to praise him. Of course I'm going to worship him. I don't have to try and dredge up some kind of half-hearted hallelujah. When I, when I count my blessings and let them count, it's not just some sort of fake, phony thing I'm throwing up there. And, you know, God doesn't want that. He doesn't want religion. He doesn't want the righteous rigmarole. You know, he actually is looking for our hearts. That's why he keeps saying all the time, I'm not bothered about what's going on in your lips. It's what's going on in your hearts. And this is, again, why Paul is saying, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened so you'll be able to see. You'll be able to see the glory of his inheritance in the saints. In other words, when you see what you've got from him, when you open the present, you'll be like, wow, really? For me? It's like, imagine, you know, imagine like a beggar on the street. There's a beggar on the street and he's, you know, just eking out an existence. And then suddenly one day somebody comes to him and finds out his name and says to him, you know what, actually, good news. You've... You've got an inheritance. There's a billion pounds that's waiting for you. All you've got to do is sign your name to it. How much would that change that person? How they behave, how they think, how they live? It's better than that. This is better than that. This is miles better than that. The picture doesn't do justice to this. Our father, see, this isn't just some aunt who doesn't know and doesn't even care and just kind of included somebody in the numbers. Our father, the blessing, blessed God, blessed us because that is his will. It's what he wanted to do. That's what Paul's saying here. And nothing will ever change his will. You know, it's like one of those kind of wills, you can't change the will. So again, keep looking at it. We're going to look and list just seven of all these in, incredible heavenly spiritual blessings that are your inheritance. And I just want to ask you, are you living out of your inheritance? Am I living out of our inheritance now? Or are we living like a pauper? Are we, am I living like a beggar? Am I living as if none of these things actually apply to me? Have I written myself out of his will? Because this doesn't say he's going to bless you. Like Jesus says in the Beatitudes, you're going to be blessed even if. You're going to be, you will be blessed Anyway, that isn't this kind of a blessing. These are your blessings that you are already blessed with. This is your inheritance. This is my inheritance. This is our inheritance. Heavenly inheritance waiting to be spent. It's like it's waiting for somebody to spend this inheritance. Not then, when you die and get to heaven. Now, while we're alive. Because Jesus already died so that we get to receive our inheritance together with him as his sons and daughters. He's not talking future tense, past tense. These things happened in the past tense so that they can change our present reality and that will change our futures forever because we can draw on these riches, we can draw on these resources. So abundant, and I'm going to say this, if, if tonight, if anybody here, if we could just focus on one of them, just one of these seven and really milk it, just sort of fully out, get everything out of it, your life would never be the same again. 
you would walk different, talk different, think different, spend money different, live differently, take different kind of risks, go on more different kinds of adventures. The, your attitude to fear would be totally different. Every, your attitude to relationships, totally different. Your, who you see in the morning when you look in the mirror, totally different. All these things were just one of them and there's going to be seven. That's pretty good, isn't it? So let's have a look at how we're blessed. Just to be able to say, I am blessed. It's, it is, we should be God-smacked by these things. It's like when we see these things and we get them and, I'm, and I realise how much I've been blessed, this is like, awe should happen. It should be like, oh, really? You know, they say awe, the word awe, it, it's not an external breath, it's an internal. The, the way to say awe is not awe, it's oh, that's it. It's like, oh, and we get in awe of God when we see these things are true of me. So again, Paul's going to list seven of them, and I'm going to go them through them briefly. But you know, I've been chewing on these for a little while now, and they're amazing. And like I say, after this talk, we're going to move to a time where I want you to consider just going and sitting around. We put these things around the wall. And maybe just go and sit at one of them, the one that perhaps you find hardest to believe is true of you as we go through them. And at the end, just go and sit there or stand there and, and say, Lord, I believe this. I need to believe this. I want to believe this. I can hardly believe this, but I'm going to believe this. And just ponder it and meditate on it and ruminate on it. Let the Spirit of God bring it deep inside of you and it'll change everything. So again, we'll look at them now and then that's going to get us ready to connect with him and to worship again as we count these blessings because that's the only way to make them count for us. Number one, he chose you before you were born. Say that. He chose me before I was born. Before I was born. It's an incredible mystery. Verse 4. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Notice again, there's plurals actually there because we, we belong together to him. So how could I ever say I don't belong? That's number one because everything starts here. It starts with God. It starts with God's sovereign choice. The word means the father picked you he he chose you he looked around the world and he said i'm having you and i'm having you and i'm having you and i'm having you i'm even having him you know and he knew you he chose you to know you before anybody knew you even before your mum and dad knew each other in the biblical sense the implications of that are astonishing for one thing it means you can never ever say that you are here on this planet or even in this city or in this church by accident. It wasn't some cosmic accident that just ended up with you here. It was divine destiny that was at work behind all the circumstances that brought you to being at just this time in history. God made you, God created you so that he could love you, so that he could know you and so that you could find him and so that you would love him back. And next time I start to wonder whether I'm good enough or too bad to be his, I look at when that choice was made. And it wasn't just before I was born. It was before anything. The Bible says, before the foundation of the universe, before Brian Cox started doing documentaries. 
trying to guess what happened. God knew what was going to happen. Before the beginning of time, before the foundation of the universe, God chose me. How do you get your head around that? What a blessing. What security there is in that. We are blessed because we're chosen by God. Number two, as if that wasn't enough, he adopted you into his family. Verse five, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. In love. If you've got your Bible and you're underlined, underline that. In love. God the Father loves you and he sees you. And because of that love, he made all the necessary arrangements for you to be loved forever as part of his family, to legally adopt you. The cosmic mystery is that before you could ever say, oh, in 2001, I went to some meeting or in whenever it was, I heard the gospel and I went forward and I put my hand in the air or whatever else, if you've done that. Before any of that happened, God already said, it is my good pleasure and will that you, Gemma, are going to be adopted into my forever family. That's a phrase that they use in adoption circles. God says that about you and me. Now, why? Because of love. That's the answer. Actually, not because of you, not because of Gemma, not because of me, because of love, because he chose us in love, because bigger and greater than any human love is this love of God that isn't about me being lovable. Sometimes we make this, oh, well, you're just, you know, God just loves you because, as if I'm lovable. It isn't because I'm lovable, it's because he's lovely. I'm glad it's not dependent on how lovable I am. Sometimes I don't even love me and I'm right. I'm awful. Why, is, why are you nodding? <laughs> Emma Varnum nodded then. But God loves me anyway. And he says, I'm able to love you even though you're not lovable. I'm still able because I am love. And the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit have decided that we're going to bring orphans and we're not going to leave them as orphans. We're going to bring them to the table and they're going to have a place and you're going to have a place and a seat at my table and you're going to feast forever with me. And I've got, and by the way, Jesus is just getting out all of his heavenly treasures for you to be able to share with them too. And then, so say this, say it, I am blessed because God has adopted me into his heavenly family. Great. And then the devil whispers, ah, but uh, even if that was true, even if all of that happened before you were ever born, how many times have you messed it up since? Well, that's why we need to remember blessing number three, which is he forgave you before you ever sinned. Boom. Ephesians 1, verses 7 to 8. In him, in Jesus, because of the cross, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. He lavished. I love that word lavish. It's like he lays it on thick. He's not like stingy, like, you know, with the butter. You get, oh, a little bit. It's like, slap it on. 
That's what he does with the grace. It's like get a big ladle of it and slap it on. Mayonnaise, whatever it is that you like. The only thing that could keep us from God's great love was our great sin. We're lost, we're alone, we're trapped, we're slaves to sin. The debt's so high, no human could sort it out. No angel could pay the price, but Jesus paid it all. When did he do it? When did he do it? I didn't say where. When did he do it? 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago. So when was I forgiven? When was the price paid? 2,000 years ago. Before I was even born, again, before I even sinned, Jesus is stretching out his hands on the cross and saying, Father, forgive Anthony. Include him in that plan we're making so that anybody who's a sinner can come and be forgiven. You know, just imagine, somebody comes to the door, knocks on the door, it's the thing you've been dreading because you've had these debts that have been piling up and there's a knock on the door and it's the bailiffs and they come in and say, we're going to take everything away. We've got the legal documents here. And just as you're like, oh no, what are we going to do? Suddenly somebody walks in and says, don't worry, it's all been paid. Really? When was it all paid? Oh, ages ago. You're like, well, why have I been worrying about it? It was already paid. I've been looking at all these bills. I've been looking at all these debts. They were already paid. Somebody already paid. Who? Somebody who loves me has already paid for them. I've just got to tell, tell the bailiffs. Get out. You've got no right to be here, to take anything from me. It's already been paid for. Just think of that. The next time the devil comes and doubts come and, and they tell you, God just can't forgive you and you've messed it up too much. Count this and never discount it. I am forgiven. I was forgiven. I am forgiven in him because I was forgiven by him before I even sinned, before I ever sinned. Whenever we stand before God, we're not going to do it based on the basis of our own righteousness, but on trusting in Jesus who 2,000 years ago, already paid the price in his blood for our redemption. That's when I was redeemed, this says. So not only have we, I been chosen, not only have we been adopted, we've been bought and paid for. So nobody can ever say that we don't belong to him. How much more could we be secure? Why would we ever be insecure in this love? See, it doesn't depend on us. It depends on us depending on this. No matter what, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, before I even committed them, any sin, any secret shame that the enemy wants to hold over me, already forgiven as the blood flowed from his hands on the cross, as the blood flowed out of the nail in his, uh, the spear in his side, he was doing it so that I could be forgiven. The Father will never let your sin or mine count more than the price that was paid for it by his son. He'll never treat you or me according to the weakness of our flesh or the poverty of our spirituality or the inconsistency of our obedience or the fickleness of our love for him. But he will treat us according to the riches of the glories of his grace. And that never runs out. There's always enough. There's always enough for your sin there's even enough for mine. There's an old hymn we used to sing. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. 
Hallelujah, what a saviour. So count that among your blessings tonight and you'll never, you'll never live a life of duty or obligation. Worship won't just be about how I feel or whether I like the songs. It's going to come from something inside of me about the price that was paid at the cross. And that reality transforms your heart as you just say, I'm going to, I'm going to believe that. I'm going to write my name next to that promise. I'm going to claim that as belonging to me. So if you've been forgiven much, by the way, because you say, oh, I've sinned much. Well, if you've been forgiven much, what did Jesus say those who, who've been forgiven much will do? Anybody remember? Those who've been forgiven much will love much. That's me. Man, I do love him. People say, oh, Anthony loves Jesus. I do love him. Do you know why I love him? I've been forgiven so, so much. So I'll say it. I am blessed, I am blessed. Because, because he forgave me. And not only that, he has included you in his great plan to save the universe. Verses 9 and 10. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, with regard to the fulfillment of times, to bring all things together as one in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. That's saying God's got this enormous, amazing plan to redeem the whole universe. And he's not only let us in on it, knowing it, he brings us in as part of it. He not just told us, he said, I want you to be part of this. And that means, I mean, how can you ever feel like your life's purposeless? How can you ever feel like and say, oh, my life's got no meaning? Whatever else we might fill or even waste our time with on earth, God wants to use you and me to save the universe. I mean, I don't even mean like, I mean, there's people now, you see them who are like gluing themselves to stuff because they want to save the planet, aren't they? They've got this passion to save the planet. Whatever you think about the way in which they go about it, how much passion have we got? to join in Jesus in saving the universe. We've got something way bigger going on that we're invited to partner in. And once you get hold of the fact that you and me are personally invited through worship, through working, through witnessing, through loving and living, God's dream to save the whole universe, to save people throughout history forever. When that truth saturates your soul, you'll never have a boring day. You, you, there'll be adventure waiting for you. You've just got to be bold enough to grab hold of it and think, you know what, I'm part of God's plan to save people, to save, you know, to share the good news with other people, not just keep it to myself. We're invited, according to this, into the secret councils of Almighty God so that he will tell us how. He wants to let us in on the how and share the why of his heart and the who that he wants to include in these eternal plans so that we will fulfill our life purpose. And it's a lot bigger than just however long we live and then we retire and do this and do that. Number five, verses 11 and 12 remind us that this means us, not just me. I better get over myself because, again, sometimes I go to this individualistic picture of of what my faith my faith in Jesus is about but this isn't that it starts with recognizing I don't inherit alone 
I only inherit together with my brothers and sisters in the same family. I got adopted to, together with other people and, and we're his children and we're, that's who his church is. We inherit it together. So it says, in him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be, might, might be for the praise of his glory. I love that. It's not might do, but might be. That my life is meant to be lived for the praise of his glory, everything I do. The only way I get this collectively is when we get it together, personally. That yes, he means us. God has loved us. God has appointed us to share together in all of these truths, in the reality of our lives, in the middle of all the brokenness and the heartaches and the, the horrors of this broken world, that, 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 that there'd be some people called the church that, that shine in the middle of the darkness and show that our God is greater and that he still works miracles and he does love people and that we and they can live for the praise of his glory. Okay, you might hear that and you say, yeah, but how do I know this means me? Because, you know, I come to church, maybe I did the Alpha course or I've been coming for years, I'm a member or whatever, but I'm not sure that I know this stuff is real, really, for me. You know, how do I know that I'm chosen? How do I know I'm included? How do I know that I'm going to get this inheritance? How do I really know that I'm adopted? How can I know that I'm part of this actual plan that you're talking about? I don't feel like I am sometimes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That we write ourselves out? Well, the answer is, it's not about how I feel. It's about what he said. And the answer is, I simply believe. I simply receive. Blessing number six. He saved me. Ephesians 1.13 says this. And you also were included. When you felt like it. No. When you tried be your best. No. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you put your trust in the good news of Jesus Christ. So hands up if you've heard this good news, the gospel of truth. Shouldn't be no problem unless you've got no hands. Everybody's there. We're all there. Okay. There's good news, therefore, for you. Yeah? Even if you find it hard to believe at times, and I might find it hard to believe, this doesn't say, again, it doesn't really depend on me doing anything other than accepting it. There's gospel, there's good news, and I say yes to the good news. Jesus saved you. Jesus saved me. I didn't save myself. I couldn't save myself. But I put my hand up. And when I did... His hand reached out like he did with Peter when he was sinking under the waves and pulled him up and pulled him up out of the waves. And he's done that more than once for me. That isn't just he saved me once. He keeps on saving me because I keep on nearly drowning at times. And every time I just put my hand up again. And every time he reaches out and he saves me. Jesus has saved me. Jesus is saving me. Jesus is going to save me. It's all about Jesus. And blessing number six is that, yes, that really does mean you. Don't deny it. It means you. Say, it means me. It means me. He, means me. he means me. Some people find it hard to say. You're never going to live the way you were meant to live 
until you know it means you. That you needed a saviour and you've got one. And when you get that, oh man, like I say, something changes on the inside. It bubbles up to the praise of his glory. And you've just got to live differently as a result of that. And you start to receive more and more. God wants you to receive every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. He's not going to give them to you outside of that. It's in Christ Jesus you get them. So the inheritance has got your name on. Before anybody else knew what your name was. That's such a deep mystery. But when you know it, you know you found the truth. Or rather the truth has found you. And the price has been paid that before you were born, he planned for you to be born again. Before you could say you chose him, he decided in advance, destined that you would be like his son. He redeemed you before you ever sinned. He loved you before you were even a believer. And I know that this is something so huge that theologians still wrestle over it and have done for centuries, but simply believe it. You never understand it. I know that he saved me. And I know that he's going to save me. And I know that he'll never let me go. And it's perfect. Like the number seven is the perfect number in the Bible. And that's why we finish with that one. The seventh spiritual blessing tells me that my future is guaranteed. 100% by the Holy Spirit. No matter what happens, verse 13 says to everybody who puts their trust in Christ, it says, you were sealed You were sealed. Like when somebody puts a brand on something, when somebody puts a mark on something, somebody puts a stamp on something, and this belongs to the maker. You know, I look on my phone, iPhone, it's got an indelible mark on there. It's like, this says, who made it? Well, or it's like those pens that the police hand out and you write it on your stuff in the house. And it's like that invisible marker. You write your number, you write your postcode on it, and then you lose it or Billy Burglar steals it. And you, you, then one day the good, nice police people contact you and they say, we've got your stuff back. Why did you get my stuff back? Well, because we've got this special light and we put it over it and it came up and it said, this belongs to you. Well, I mean, that's what God does with us. We put our faith in Jesus and he puts that seal upon our heads. And when we get before him in Revelation, it says he's going to see that mark that we belong to him. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee. The Greek word there is arabone. Modern Greek, that's the word for engagement ring. The Holy Spirit is the engagement ring, promising that you're going to be at a wedding. You're a part of the bride of Christ. Before you were born, he loved you. He chose you. Before you were a sinner, he paid the price to forgive you to save you. And now if at any point in this you felt your heart like beating a little faster, just at the thrill of believing that this is true and you want to praise him a bit for it, then that's really good because that's the proof too that the Holy Spirit is inside of you confirming this is true, this means you. And it's not about your feelings and what you feel. It's about his love and what he's done. So tonight we're going to do what we were made to do and we're going to move into a time of worship. So maybe the band want to come up and uh, I'm going to pray. And then during that time, just as, they, as the band start worshiping, rather than having to stand in rows and watch the screen and all that, they'll start and then we'll move and go to the different stations. And maybe, as I say, there was one of them, you're feeling like, I don't even know if I can get that. I don't know if I can believe that. But if, again, later on in Ephesians, Paul prayed that people would get this 
they get the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they would know, they'd know him better. So in a moment, move to these different places. And I'm not asking you to pray this for somebody else. Here's what you get. I was thinking before, somebody's going to be tempted, think, oh, but I know that person. They really, really need to know that God really loves them. All right, pray about that later. Get it for yourself. Get the inheritance for you. Grab it. I believe this. This is for me. This means me. Because if you, if you get that, you'll pray way better for them. Anyway. So let's pray now. Lord, we want to count our blessings because when we do, we know that everything changes. And without knowing that we have these things, how would we know, Lord, that we can spend them, that we can rely on them? Without these truths, Lord, we can live, even though you are a blessed God who loves to bless us, we can know without knowing that we've had these promises spoken over us and life can end up seeming just pretty dark and desolate and even dreary or, or um, nobody else. Nobody else, Lord, can give these blessings to us. They're so great we can hardly believe they would apply to us because we know we don't deserve them and we know we couldn't earn them. But Lord, tonight I declare, by faith I believe, before I was even born, before the universe was founded or came into being, you wanted me to be with you forever. You wanted me to join you in love and in your plans to save the whole universe. So I am blessed because I'm chosen. I am adopted. I am forgiven. I am included. I am invited. I have an inheritance. It's guaranteed 100% by you. Lord, help me receive it. Help me to believe it. Thank you, Lord, for these heavenly blessings. Lord, I want to make them count as I count them now. So that I, so that we together as your church will live for the praise of your glory. Hi, I'm Anthony Delaney. I'd love to welcome you to Ivy Church. Do check out the website, click on a few buttons, look at some previous teaching and some of the other things that we've been involved with. And why not plan to join us soon at one of our locations? Join a grow group, do the alpha course and figure out for yourself what it is that Christians believe. Or if you've got anything we can pray about, be in touch, press the contact button so that you can email us, let us know about you and how we hope you can be part of us. Come and join us at Ivy Church.